Hey folks, welcome to the AABIP podcast. This is Samir Avasarala from Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm your host for this episode. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll address a topic that should be important to everyone and has implications on your bottom line, advocacy and IP. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Nears Des- I'm thrilled to have Dr. Nears Desai join us. Nears is director and IP fellowship director of Chicago Chess Center. He's also the past president of the Association of IP Program Directors and an associate professor of medicine at the University of Illinois in Chicago. Importantly for this episode, he serves on the Joint ATS Chess Clinical Practice Committee. Joint ATS Chess Clinical Practice Committee is our ATS and Chess AMA Ruck alternate and is a renowned expert in IP-related coding and billing. Neeraj, thank you for joining us. Do you have any relevant conflicts of interest to disclose? Thanks for the kind introduction, Samir. Um, no, I don't have any relevant contra- conflicts of interest. On this podcast or those of the speaker in mind and not necessarily endorsed by the AABIP. With the formalities done, let's get started. The subspecialty of interventional pulmonary continues to evolve as the field matures. One of the downsides of clinical practice is relatively poor reimbursement for some of the procedures. Uh, and some of those that we do are uh, and some of those that we do are complex or deemed high risk. Why is this and what can we do to make it better? Let's hear from our expert. Neeraj, what are the biggest challenges facing IP today and how can advocacy efforts help address them? Yeah, I think that's a, a great start. I think uh, I think first of all, monology in the past couple of decades uh, has grown by leaps and bounds, right? I think, you know, from being a specialty where you have only a few uh, pro, you know, specialists that are were doing procedures to having training programs and where we are now, you know, certainly uh, that has posed that has posed some challenges, especially you know, you know, in terms of reimbursement, right? You know, when you look at the biggest challenges, you know, sort of, I you know, when I you know look at it, I think one of the biggest limitations or challenges I would say has been the lack of. Uh, specific reimbursement, sure. right? And that has led to some, you know, challenges with coverage policies. So, you know, which in turn sort of has tied into some of those complexity uh, in our, I would say, revenue cycle uh, team, you know, with the complex billing uh, and document. So when you sort of, you know, tie all of these things in, uh, what it in turn it does, it actually creates uh, challenges across the spectrum and leads to uh, lower reimbursement rates. Um, you know, for many of the procedures that we do, um, you, you know, I think that your second question, how, what can we do uh, to help and, you know, how can advocacy, you know, advocacy is huge, right? So I think, you know, yes. uh, in uh, education, right? Education and awareness of what we do, um, you, you know, right from, being an active participant in developing the courts, right? Reimbursement court, right? reimbursement court development, and and being very aware of what the payers are covering, right? I mean, if you, if someone sees uh, an opportunity in say a different state or a regional, uh, you know, coverage policy uh, limitation, uh, we want to be involved, right? You want active. Uh, and, and that sometimes is simply because of the insurance companies having outdated policies and not aware of the current evidence. And, and we can, you know, you can help improve those coverage policies as well. So very important uh, for advocacy 
um, advocacy is a very um, improving reimbursement across the board. Absolutely. So I want to get into the nitty gritty a little bit here. And I, I got into paying a lot more attention to this uh, when I got into cl clinical practice and after fellowship. <laughs> There's three letters that uh, sometimes we don't really like so much. Sometimes we don't really like so much. R RVU and procedures that we do are assigned a specific RVU number. Who comes up with these numbers and, and how do they come up with this? Who determines the value of this bronchoscopy or pleural procedure that I'm doing. Yeah, look, Samir, I think we are we are all in the same boat. Look, Samir, I think we are we are all in the same boat, right? I think look, you know, when we were getting trained, we wish we all had all this knowledge. Uh, but I think you know, you know, as you get into clinical practice, I think uh, you get exposed to some of these num, you know, uh, terminology, and 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 really it, it ties into to your um, you know compensation oftentimes. You know, before we go into how, um, you know, our views are developed, I think uh, just to sort of go down to the basics, right? Mm -hmm. So what is an RVU? An RVU is really a measure uh, to determine the value, to determine the value and the reimbursement for any service that we provide, be sure. it, you know, seeing a patient or performing a procedure and whatnot. You know, and this is really maintained by the CMS, right? You know, uh, and 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 that's what uh, that's the first concept that we you know. How is a value assigned to a service, right? A value is assigned, you know, and there are different elements to that value. One is time, you know, uh, the time that you spend doing a service, uh, the effort that goes into it, and the skill that is required. And obviously, not to forget some obviously not to forget some of the resources that are utilized in delivering that service. So those are some of the components uh, that help us, uh, you know, come up with a value uh, for that service. Now, you know, one of the important aspects uh, that you, you know, uh, help with this uh, value. So there is a committee called a RUC committee. Uh, that is a revenue, I'm sorry, a, a relative value update committee. And it uh, looks at that relative value unit or mm -hmm. the, you know, of each service that is provided. And it acts as a, and it acts as a, an advisory committee. And it is composed of representatives from various medical societies. And it really it plays a very crucial part in development and maintenance of these uh, values. So for example, for our, uh, our subspecialty, so we uh, have uh, chest and uh, ATS that have joined representation at the, uh, at the committee. And uh, what for uh, when we develop courts were being developed uh, for our specialty, um, you know our committees you know assigned to look at these things, um, and they share their expertise and knowledge um, for all the resources that we provide, and they represent us in the uh, rock committee. Okay, and and really, and they they bring all our. Uh, evaluations and whatnot to the whatnot to the committee, which is then being looked at if the code is being addressed. That is part of our uh, sort of a pulmonary or IP codes, and that then that that gets vetted into the, in the RUC committee, discussed and appropriately uh, 
you know, looked at something that is similar because it's a way the term, right? Samir, it's a relative value unit. Sure. So always a code is going to be compared to some other code. And that's how a relative value uh, unit is being assigned. Understood. Understood. So I, I'm going to use an example from our, our, our scope specialist bre bre brethren here from, from the GI standpoint. <laughs> and I was looking up a few CPT codes, um, the CPT, the, the numbers it used to, and they're assigned with an RVU. So I, I pulled up something that it sounds to me very advanced. And it sounds like a procedure that advanced GI endoscopists will be doing, which is CPT 43274. It's an ERCP with stack duct with any associated maneuvers. Looks like the RVU for that one is 8.48. On on our end, I, I would think a similarly complex procedure would be placement of a tracheal stent um, for and related associated maneuvers, which is CPT 31631, 31631, which is 4.36. Uh, you know, there's almost double now. I, I'm sure both of those aren't exactly equivalent to complexity and, and timing takes and for ours it doesn't matter if you use a rigid scope or not why is it almost double why is there such a gap here's such a gap yeah i think uh, there's definitely uh, that's a great question and there's definitely a gap and and in it you know um, you know, the thing that I alluded to that uh, earlier, uh, that, you know, and, you know, RVU takes into account uh, time, efforts, effort, skill, and, and resources uh, spent as well for a service that is uh, provided. So, you know, when you look at, and you break down the elements, right, you know, it, and in the way the surveys or, or the codes are developed in terms of time, you know, the easiest of the procedure sure. or the most difficult procedure, right? So usually a vignette is created, which, which identifies a typical scenario uh, for that case that is being performed. And then usually that vignette is sent out to members, members uh, who get a survey. And, and the survey is done to evaluate or gather data, you know, how much time it takes, how much effort it takes uh, to provide the procedure. So essentially say, for example, if you're reviewing the code 31631, a survey that is looking at those things. Sure. So in based on that survey, the average time that comes up and, you know, the services, you know, pre-procedure, intra-procedure and post-procedure, how much time you spend. And that gets, uh, totaled and then compared code that already exists. And then that's how you assign the relative value unit. You know, um, you know, when the survey was done for 31631, um, I think the number, the time, the typical time that one spent was, you know, much less than the uh, 43274 uh, uh, ERCP code. And when that happens, then, you know, certainly the relative value units are assigned based on that. Um, you know, it, it is, a, you know, uh, you know, although, you know, one, one other thing which I would mention in the uh, 43274, I believe if my memory uh, serves me correct, I think they all had also included not only the stent placement, but also spinctrotomy uh, is included as well. But certainly there is a difference. And I would say that the difference in the RVU 
value is probably because of the time spent and the gathered from the survey that was sent out. Understood. So if I'm hearing you correctly, risk doesn't weigh into this at all. Risk of procedure. Is that correct? It, it does play a part, does play a part. And, and that's really where, you know, the time, effort, the skill, resources, obviously okay. it takes into account is obviously okay. it takes into account uh, the risk, uh, you know, from the procedure as well. So there are some questions that addresses that in the survey and you, you definitely have to take into consideration. But look, Samir, I think the way this works is that, uh, you know, you and I, we get a survey, right? I think we need to, you know, would strongly recommend for our, uh, for your podcast listeners and our, uh, you know, uh, members is that, you know, when you get the survey, you know, we should be very thoughtful and, and, and then make sure that we are reading the questions appropriately um, and, and answer, answering that in the best and the most thoughtful manner that we can. Right. Absolutely. That that's, that's important. And hopefully it, um, you know, pr- promote some change here. And now it's just, I, I'm not, I, I've never known how, how true this is. So I want to ask an expert such as yourself and I'm going to oversimplify this. Is it true that let's, let's imagine, um, I'm going to oversimplify this. Is it true that let's, let's imagine, um, you know, a total of a hundred RVUs are assigned to the subspecialty of pulmonary and critical care and IP is included in, in, in there. And based on all the things that we can do as pulmonary critical care docs, ICU billing, clinic, et cetera, is it true that if one procedure that we may do potentially as IP, if the RVU goes up on it, something else from the umbrella or the uh, the piece of pie from pulmonary critical care has to be devalued? Is that correct? Or just a, just a fairy tale I heard somewhere? I think, um, and it's not, it's not really specific to... Um, specific to uh, pulmonary specialty or IP. Sure. I think it is more of the concept of uh, a budget neutrality. Okay. Right. So we, you know, uh, for the healthcare spending, there is uh, a sort of, you know, that's the pie. And, you know, so for that, you know, healthcare spending assigned to the physicians or uh, for the physician work, the compensation, you know, there is so a signed dollar amount that's there. So not only pulmonary, not only pulmonary, not only medicine, mm-hmm. but all the specialties. So everyone is sort of, uh, you know, looking at that pie. So that is correct. You know, it's, it's a budget neutrality. So if, if one, so, you know, there is increase in the value of one, there will be one, there will be some decrease in the other uh, specialties. So it is, again, it is sort of a, a budget neutral scenario. Understood. But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily include pulmonary versus IP. Sure. Now, that's good to know. I think that uh, paints a, a very broad picture and uh, understanding that uh, listeners uh, echo my sentiments. So that's, uh, that's good. Um, Although that's one other comment I would make yeah. is that uh, that, you know, budget, has been steady and has not accounted for inflation and all the nuances in our healthcare and AMA has been an AMA has been a huge advocate for that 
and they have been in in the you know from the grassroots you know they have been they have made a lot of advocacy efforts to improve that um hoping that you know goes through uh, but certainly ama has been a huge champion of increasing that sort of pie uh, so that it's not you know budget neutral budget neutral doesn't necessarily mean we're not taking account of uh, inflation and whatnot absolutely absolutely um I'm going to talk a little bit about Medicare specialty codes. Uh, I've noticed that interventional cardiology code, or, um, or at least some form of that, would, would IP having have developing its own code change some of these issues with reimbursement or no? I think that is a, a great question. And I think many of us, uh, you know, who have been looking at this have have uh, discussed this in um, uh, you know uh, in detail. Uh, certainly, there is a lot of benefit uh, in doing that, and I think uh, what you're alluding to is also is a separate taxonomy code yep. as well, uh, and and it can be really beneficial for our. Uh, subspecialty, you know, importantly, I think if you had to break it down to just identify as a separate, you know, separate specialty and having a separate taxonomy code, reimbursement, reporting and analysis, right? You know, what is being done by IP and whatnot, whatnot. And also even for referral management, right? I think it has so much, so many, uh, you know, pluses in doing that. For example, I would say that, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves um, following our pulmonary colleagues or uh -huh. intensivists in the ICU and providing a consultation. And we are often challenged with, you know, how do we build this now? You know, when we have done a full consultation and it's a separate issue, you're not able to bill as the full consultative service, uh, which you're entitled to. So a taxonomy core definitely helps it. I think it is a little bit difficult uh, to, it doesn't do as much for our procedures per se, because the procedures are done by all say, because the procedures are done by all, you know, different subspecialties also, right? Like for example, you know, stent placement might be done by thoracic surgery or ENT, whatnot. Yeah, okay. so, yeah, so I think, or ENT as well. So, but but definitely for our ENM, uh, purposes i think it sounds like a, a perfect example of if you're not at the table you're you're on the menu that <laughs> that brings me to my next question uh, what can we do what can interventional pulmonologists do uh, to help these efforts i think first of all i think i will say that you know samir i think we have always been at the table been at the table and i think many um, i would say you know although um, you know as especially has grown we have seen those you know, many come forward and 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 talk about more of these things. I mean, I think many of our uh, mentors and pulmonary and IP leaders who have served on the have served on the RUC committee and also the ATS and chess committees have have re represented. And and look, we have a series of codes of what we do, and and those those required a lot of work. And and thanks to many of these leaders, they have actually build a full set of codes for us. Now, also when we need more uh, involvement and I think on those lines, you know, uh, we need to have a strong presence. And I think I'm started seeing that, Samir. I think we uh -huh. have a very strong presence in ATS and chess committees, clinical practice committees. And also we have representatives now at the RUC committee as well that are in well, that are 
in you know through ats and chess and 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 really uh making an impact uh in those areas so you know i i'm very excited about where our society is going and and our specialty is going yeah i um i i still find building and coding extremely complex sometimes even harder than the procedure itself so i <laughs> i um I'm really thankful that you have such a keen eye on it and help guide us to how to kind of navigate this to the best of our abilities. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to conclude with, you know, it's time for closing remarks. Is there anything you feel we left out that's still important to discuss on this topic? I think, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, and, and again, I think we both share the excitement. I think IP is, you know, it's growing and, and really excited about what the future holds. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, like many of us, we would love for IP reimbursement to get better, uh, uh, but it is a complex area. Um, and I, I'm very optimistic that uh, with having more representation and collaboration, we can continue to grow. You know, we, we need to increase awareness and just like what you're doing right now through your uh, podcast, uh, awareness about uh, reimbursement and work collaboratively with all our stakeholders. And, and just, um, you know, one, one caveat I would say is that if you get a survey uh, from Ruck about a procedure, uh, make sure uh, you carve out some time and, and um, you know, uh, answer it uh, with the best of your ability. It, it does impact a lot. It does impact uh, your reimbursement and everyone's reimbursement. So that time spent, it would be well, well spent. Uh, I, I want to repeat what you said for our listeners. So uh, if, if you get a survey, take it seriously. Don't ignore the email. And then, um, also looking at uh, GICPTs and uh, RBUs, um, it's, it's, it's not a great picture for us when you do a comparison kind of thing. But Nears, this was fantastic. I really appreciate you taking your time to talk to me and to educate us all a little bit more about uh, the dollar bills that kind of drive what we do and what we love to do. My pleasure, Samir. Samir. Take care. Thank you.